Hi everyone, welcome to Book Conversations. We're your hosts, Suayad, and I'm Mahmouda. Join us as we have conversations inspired by books. This episode's conversation is inspired by Tai Selassie's Ghana Must Go. This is one of my favourite books in the world. I'm not even joking. Like, could you stop for me to finish before you go? (laughs) No, I'm sorry. When you said Ghana Must Go, I was like, oh my goodness. My book is here. This is like the love. I've told the world to read it. Let me tell you how I start telling people to read it. I'll be like, oh guys, can you let me recommend this book to you? Tai Selassie's Ghana Must Go. But the thing is, I know that a lot of people put reviews online saying it's overly descriptive. Uh And then when they first started, they struggled with style. And I'll be like, before they even go, like, I know people would say online that the book requires effort like to get into person. it, but trust me, it's worth it. Like, you appreciate the poetry. This is how I tell people about Tyus Last Again was going. I love this book with all my heart. As you can tell, one of us really loves this book. But before we start speaking, thank you very much. On today's topic list, we will be talking about pride and masculinity, compromise versus sacrifice in marriage, <laughs> the trap of comparison, mothers as individuals, sibling relationship, immigrant experience, and the father figure absence. So we have a lot, a lot on our plate. And that's actually not even scratching the surface. This book is too deep. There's a lot this going on. It's complex. I understand that's the stuff. <laughs> but yeah, um. Even though we have a lot of things we want to talk about, it's not enough. Like, it's not enough. Actually, there might be a few spoilers, guys. But it's going to be, like, really, really tiny spoilers. It's not going to ruin the story for you. It's just something to talk about relationships and the book, all the characters. But it's definitely not going to spoil the experience of reading the book yourself for you. Okay, so just to begin, we're going to talk about the writing style. And then we'll go on to our topics. So, writing, what did you think about the writing? Actually, we'll be asking you first. (laughs) Because we'll never be in the episode. (laughs) Anyways, basically. Okay, I'll be genuinely honest with you right mm-hmm. when I first read Tyus Lassie's book actually I didn't read this book until 2016 and I feel like that's a loss on my part yeah. and the reason why I didn't read it was before I used to like read people's reviews or people's comment on Amazon before I bought yeah. a book and people kept saying oh god just don't buy it and all that so it was mixed reviews basically a majority uh-huh. of them kept saying oh it's overly descriptive but then one day I walked into like a bookshop in Oxford and I was like this is a sign I have to read this book there's no way I'm not reading it and it literally spoke to my soul and I remember sitting down in a cafe Rick's Cafe at Oxford and I just consumed this entire book consumed. and I was like wow my soul what made me wait this long the writing style Tyson Lass is such a descriptive writer that things you don't normally pay attention to she pays attention to but the thing I like about her writing is she doesn't leave it hanging so if she mentions something in the beginning for example there's always a connection at the middle or at the end later on there are some parts I thought were overly descriptive though I mean towards the end I was already like overwhelmed with emotions I was literally crying and I'm like Uh oh my god man and then she's describing something I'm like I don't even want to know this I just want to know what happened to this character so I think there are points like that in the book for me but Uh Overall, our writing is beautiful. She's so oh, beautiful. I referenced her in some essay I was writing, but she's a beautiful writer. I agree on like on the whole part, even though my voice doesn't convey the same <laughs> level of excitement. <laughs> but I think for me, like oh, one no. of the hallmarks of great writing, because sometimes I read books and the storyline is crap, but it makes you feel emotions. Because of the writing. Because the writing is so good. Ty Selassie definitely falls into that category. Not that I would say Gunmas goes crap because it's an absolutely excellent story. But at key moments in the book, it felt like my heart was being torn apart. The writing was great. But I would say even at the beginning, because the issue that most readers had with the book was the first... A couple of chapters. Yeah, a couple the of chapters. Of, but then I felt like it, it was 
the beginning was a bit interesting. The part yeah. with the dewdrops on it was, the grass. It was very detailed. Yes. Intricate details. And not everyone's but patient. Picture, but you could picture it, though. You were in the story yeah. with Quaker. You were experiencing it a what Quaker was feeling. I think that's what You know is. how I would describe her writing? It's that thing about five sensations. Mm-hmm. So she, she is no, literally she all of that. She has it. to do it all. She She's not comfortable she just it. stopping with one. She would describe how everything felt. So when Quaker was in his garden... No, that, like how I it love felt that. to his I feet, that. the touch, the, everything. But you know what I loved, loved about her as well? Because of her writing, because her writing is like that. She's yeah. able to put words to emotions that you don't normally know how to put words to. That's true. She's able to like describe what you're feeling and you'd be thinking, oh my God, there are words for this or like, there's a yeah. way to explain this. And definitely. You, it makes it easier to relate with characters because you know the feeling. One thing that definitely struck me when I was reading the book was just how actually impressive her mind is because when you think about the depth of the characters... Of, I really want to meet her, you know. Same. Because oh. when I was thinking about it, I was like, all of this content comes from one human being. One human being. It was... It was beautiful in the sense that it was philosophical at times. It was funny. It was engaging. You know, it was relatable. So if you're Nigerian or Ghanaian, you could. There were things about. And even were, if you're American, because yeah, there's always, there's a bit exactly. Of everything in there. It was very broad and it it, it was well written. Another thing is she's talented. There's six major Can't characters, right? Yeah, six major characters and the secondary characters, but it never ever felt like you know how they said there's a round character uh-huh. where they're complex. Yeah, all of them were round. There was no like, oh, this character is is not like it feels like a two D character. They were yeah. all three D. All had the oh. motivations. It was it's beautiful, exquisite. Oh, that is the word. So I would say, like in terms of the book reviews, because it did have mixed reviews. If that's what's putting you off, it's lack of patience. Bro. It's worth trying. But again, gratification is not always good. Just saying, we have to acknowledge that sometimes we're reading as writers as well. That's so true. we're gonna have more patience than the average person that just wants to get through a book. That is true. But before, remember when I first started reading, I yeah. wasn't thinking I want to be a writer. Uh-huh. I was just reading this book. And even at the beginning, I had I read the first. I remember I read the first chapter twice even though I read the first chapter twice I still wanted to know yeah because there's already suspense from the literally from the beginning uh-huh. there's already suspense you're thinking why is taking it as well but obviously you can't all write the same you can't all, you can't all like the same book exactly like Wale Soyinka is a writer that everyone loves but no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm struggling I just I'm actually I have not struggling. been able to I like his dramas because obviously uh, his plays because with plays obviously you're reading like the character yeah. this person said this or whereas with his like fiction like reading mm. prose I'm just there like it's hard so not it's not every author writing that would be for every reader but i would say definitely give this book a definitely chance. before we get into the topics for today inspired by ghana must go let's do a brief recap oh, of the what story. the story is actually about so you're not lost so you know this book is one of the, the books that i feel like the blurb doesn't do it any justice Interesting. whatsoever mm-hmm. at all the blurb in the book is basically meet the size the nigerian Ghanaian family split apart and now they have to come back together based on the tragedy yeah that's it but if I was to pick up a book and read this, I'd have been like, okay. Whereas if I was to... But when I finished the book, I was thinking, no, I still want you to rewrite this blurb. It's not doing this book any Yeah, it is a bit bland. At all. Okay, I so agree. basically the story is about... or well, the story is about a family who has been split apart. But it follows their life and how... Everything that happened before the split and how they're dealing with the split. How it affected their family. And what's going to bring them back together to have yeah. to deal with the split. And are they mm. actually going to come back together? Yeah. I mean, that's the question. Mm-hmm. Well, in the way you want them to come back together. Definitely. Onto the first summary of the blurb. Now, onto the first topic pride and masculinity. And we're mostly going to explore this through the main character, Kweku, who is a doctor, father, and he's a well renowned surgeon. Yeah, it is. But the thing is, I feel like with Kweku, a lot of his pride masculinity, I think 
it comes from a lot of things. So what we're going to touch on later, which is compromise and sacrifice. I think yeah. It comes from that to an extent. It also comes from the fact that he's always not want, not wanted to be like his father because his father left. Right. Um, this is not a spoiler, by the way, because you like find out like early on. But he's always not wanted to be like his father. So I think for him, it's just... And he's always not liked being in Ghana. I remember he was in Ghana and then yeah. he, became, he migrated to um, America. He's always not liked being in Ghana, mm-hmm. not liked being there, not liked being not successful yeah so he just had this thing that he had to be this 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 he literally had his life mapped out yeah he had to be this 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 this. which this. most africans do to an extent i think that's, that's why true. like if something rocks your boat it's, it's just you're all over the place you didn't have a plan b exactly you didn't have a plan c yeah you didn't have a plan b which is... he never thought that it was going to ever exactly go through whatever he's yeah going and because one of the arcs is that Kweku loses his job due to no fault of his own to be honest and that's At like all, another no conversation on its own but I think his reaction to that based on what we just discussed about as someone who's planned his life to the T like he knew the house he wanted to yeah. build what there was no plan B. how they were going to look like he no. was an artist like he had designed and created his life that he had envisioned and when something that he didn't have control over mm-hmm. like an external circumstance affected that that was the beginning of the undoing but i think also it's interesting thing about how one decision like a decision that one man makes can have such ramifications such, like that butterfly that effect big... because it wasn't just about him like uh, it, 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 it no, affected it, all of his family every single person in the family every single one so would you say because um would you say that kweku was prideful in not just going home and telling his wife because this is really the beginning of the whole novel I wouldn't say was prideful pride. not telling his wife that he was fired from his job so I would say he had a bit of pride in the sense of pride in the sense of, it was something about the shame and the embarrassment yeah. that comes from going from being a doctor but uh-huh. I, said, I would feel like I feel like a lot more is attached to Kweku's okay. situation yeah. so he lost his job and he doesn't go home to tell his wife right and he acts like he's going to work every day I think it came with the compromise versus sacrifice thing which yeah. we didn't talk about I think it came with the fact that he knew that his dad Left, but I remember Quaku. That's a bondage, Quaku's though. To be intention, on to but I remember Quaku's intention was to leave for a while yeah. and come back, but you didn't communicate that to anyone. So perhaps the problem is lack of communication as well. Okay, because remember he came back. Like she, the wife had already operated herself yeah. with the kids, but obviously, what do you expect of her? She can't keep waiting for eight months for you. That's true. Don't show up at the door. She didn't have money anyway because all the money had been on. Mm. So it's like. Yes, he wanted to come back. Obviously, she for like his wife couldn't have known that. But I would say Quake was had pride because of the sacrifice thing, and also because of the fact that um he obviously would not want to go home. He's been a doctor, well known yeah. all his life, and now he's been fired. It's and a it's hard a big thing to case. deal with, especially when you think about the African context Africans of men being pride, the provider, literally. And that's the thing. And because his wife had also sacrificed, I think we can go on to that her, now. Actually. Yeah, exactly. His wife had also sacrificed her career. So there's a line him. in that book that so, says, "So to an extent, was there even a way for him to go home?" There's a line in that book that says where um, Fola and Quake were having a conversation. This was before when they first got married. And she actually went to law school, so she wants to be a lawyer. But then when they're about to get married or when they're together or whatever, she says one dream is enough for the both of us. So she's going to sacrifice her law dream for Quaker to go on and pursue being a doctor because they didn't have that much money. Come on, they're both immigrants who have met when they came to uni. And I think obviously that's a pressure. That's pressure on its own because you're you're the one. She she sacrificed her dream for you, and yeah. then you go on to lose your job. Yes, it's not fault of your own, but in the moment you're not thinking clearly that okay, it's not my fault. She will be understanding, and yeah. I feel I feel like because they didn't know each other that well, even though they've been married for years, they didn't know each other that well that mm-hmm. it probably wouldn't have known how she would react. Interesting. Because remember, through the book, you see how things will happen and they will bite their tongue and they will not talk about it. Yeah. And there will be places where Fola would say she wished they talked about a lot uh-huh. of things. 
Instead of just ignoring it. It's just burying it under the So on that subject of him not wanting to be like his father, I feel like mm-hmm. there's a broader conversation about one, being held hostage due to past actions of people that you know or people that you're connected to. And two, not actually knowing your partner that well. Because what if they had revisited each other's history and their past? Mm-hmm. To an extent, I feel like that would have released Quaku from some of like, the pressures that he felt. It would have released both of them. Their troubles. But then we wouldn't have a novel. So really. That's true. That's true. <laughs> indeed i guess that's it is what it is to be honest yeah what it is but if you're in that position would you say to your husband sacrifice is nothing for please (laughs) i know they say (laughs) marriage comes a lot of compromise and all that stuff one dream is enough for both compromise is one thing yeah sacrifice is another thing i I feel like resentment comes with sacrifice sometimes definitely because remember she felt resentment for him yeah you could have said okay you go to be a surgeon, whatever, because that will take time, right? Uh-huh. But when you've made this an extent, I will go on to yeah. become a lawyer. Exactly. Or I will just be working as a solicitor or something. Maybe uh-huh. not fully what I want to do, but I could start. I could just not quit and be selling flowers. I mean, she liked flowers, but she was literally just selling flowers. Uh-huh. And Quaker was going to fulfill his dream. And there's a part of me that's uncomfortable with the fact that it was it was her. It's very stereotypical of it being the woman that says, "But that is what is majority my dream." Time. I know, which is why because again, the African mentality it. is that is that the man is a provider yeah. so for her when she sacrifices her dream it's okay mm-hmm. for her I think it can also come up with love I think she also loves remember that's what she said yeah. one, that's what she said one dream is enough for the both of uh-huh. us I feel like when she was saying it in her mind she didn't think about the consequences obviously it was a belief because she was in, in love husband. exactly she was in love and she was like yeah I believe in this guy he's got this he'll be fine okay so now we're gonna go on to other main characters in the book Fala and Kweku have Four children. Four kids, yeah. Um, the first child's Olu, which at the time that Sadie was born was twelve years old, and the twins are nine years old. So Olu and the twins are three years apart, and the twins are boy and a girl, Taiwan Kende. So Taiwan is the girl, and Kende is the boy. And we have Sadie, who is the last child, who is nine years apart from the twins because she's an unplanned babies we're going to talk about sibling relationship the relationship with, with, between the siblings i think is a very 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 interesting dynamic mm-hmm. because the twins were described as people who belonged together so they did yeah. literally everything together yeah. they could read each other's thoughts if that's which if is that's a very interesting mechanism i love because we talk a lot like i mean people talk a lot about twins being able to feel each other's emotions they had that and i think she utilized that very well she, in the oh, context so of the story so good it was well done and so like they were always together like yeah. it wasn't there was, it was never one without the other mm-hmm. and Oli was like so basically before Sadie came it was like Oli who the dad liked really well because obviously mm. the first one and the dad just felt like he never understood Kendi which yeah. was the, one of the, the boy twin so Oli had like his dad which but there's him. a reason though because Olu in a way is almost it's almost reminiscent like of yeah quite cool whereas again talk about masculinity Kendi was the complete Opposite. Opposite. Literally. It was a feminine like guy. And yeah. this described as very beautiful. I think if I wanted a husband, for real. <laughs> no, no, I'm being serious. If I wanted a husband, like, for real, for real, You want a cane in your life. I would want cane to an extent. Like, a significant part of, of my home should be cane. Uh-huh. He was such a, oh. I think that's where I start. It was a very different portrayal of masculinity that I haven't seen in African literature before. So or beautiful. One that isn't like memorable. This one was very memorable. Very because he memorable. was. It was this gentle, almost ethereal quality to and him. He goes sensitive so much. as well. Very sensitive, which was oh, a nice contrast to everyone else. I think he was like. Book. 
the one that had a very good relationship with Sadie, or yeah. the best relationship with Sadie, in my, uh-huh. in my eyes, anyway. Very complimentary. Because it was very, very, what's the word? Emotionally intelligent. I would say yes. Kane Day is That's the word we're looking for. Emotionally intelligent. intelligent. And I love that about mm. him. Even though there was a time where he slipped, but I think it was very emotionally intelligent. Yeah. Taiwan, on the other hand, was very interesting, because her mom just felt like she could never connect with her. But she and Kane, they were so, like, she literally loved Kane so much. Kane was, like, her favourite person. It was, like, because it was siblings. It was like her parent. Yeah, yeah. but was, not all siblings have that relationship. Not all twins have that relationship. That's true. Because I remember there was just twins in my secondary screen in Nigeria. They never saw eye to eye. Is there, I mean, like, they're is not identical. behind that? No. They just not, didn't get long. At all. Fascinating. They used to always argue. Wow. I mean, now they've probably grown out of it. Yeah. But they're still not as close as. Uh-huh. And they had this third, this cousin that lived with them. So yeah. it was always seen as a triplet. Okay. And one of them was closer to that cousin than it was yeah. to his own twin yeah. brother. Um, I think with siblings, like sometimes you're bound to be close to one, one person the other, and then the well, other. I guess because they like, came out at the same time, born at the same yeah. time, and they looked exactly like uh-huh. literally expectations. So people, and people always like put it into you. Like uh-huh. you, they were like, "Oh, look at them, they're twins." Just, people automatically as, assume that you guys are like similar anyway. Yeah. So it's just one of those things, I guess. And then Sadie, she feels like the leftover sibling. <laughs> that's literally what. That's how she sees herself, though. She sees herself as this who doesn't connect to anyone. Yeah. So in her eyes, Oli's just like her dad, mm-hmm. and the twins always have each other. Yeah. And then in her, she feels like where does she fit in? The funny thing though is that since when Sadie came, Oli felt like the mom really loves Sadie. Mm. The twins have each other. Yeah. Where do I fit in? So a running theme like throughout the book is really this idea of not belonging, like lack of and the trap of comparison. Yeah, and because they all the all the (laughs) all the siblings kept comparing each other to each other. Literally, like a phrase that makes sense. But then what it does is creates it creates this animosity between them of my parents loves X more than Y or more than me, and that destroys their relationship. And it's such an easy trap to fall into in life in general. Literally, but I feel like one thing obviously now we know that because we've grown and we've read and we've explained ourselves yeah. but it's always important to remind yourself that God has created every single person in a unique form mm-hmm. so it's not about comparing yourself to someone else it's about comparing yourself to who you were yesterday and trying yeah. to be a better version of yourself mm-hmm. than you are if not I feel like you just go crazy trying to compare yourself to someone else the person you're comparing yourself to might be comparing themselves to you so you might be like I'm not, be- I'm not as beautiful as she is That's and it. that person's probably saying I'm not as smart as she is and we are but about comparison, one problem I have with people is those friends of your parents that'll come to your house uh-huh. and then they'll see siblings, which is what someone did in this yes. book. So you've got Oli, mm-hmm. who is a masculine, masculine guy. You've got Kenda. And Kenda is like a really pretty guy as described in the book. And this friend of the family came and said, oh, one of one of them has got the beauty and one of them has got the brains. But yeah. who says that stuff? No, but you'd be surprised, Nigerian. I'm not surprised. <laughs> of course I'm not surprised. And the thing about kids is, as kids, you internalise a lot of things. That's true. Because that's when you're learning and you're taking yeah. it from your environment. So you, you would grow up resenting your brother, even though he was not the one that gave himself the beauty. Mm. It's God that gave him the beauty. It's a really bad habit. It. And I feel like if I'm a parent, inshallah, at some point, that's one thing that I would definitely not tolerate. At because all. Because just at that, I, like, at a very young age, you're I creating animosity already in my house between no. siblings. So, like, for someone no. like someone to come to your house and say, oh, Amina is more intelligent than her being... I don't... Who asked you? Exactly. And Thank you. And why are you comparing them? Because it, she you? might not be good at maths, but she might be good at art. Exactly. Or writing or whatever. Or just being but a that's parent that's, question. like, conscious enough to mm-hmm. uplift or acknowledge the strength of both, like, your children, your children all around. So it's like when you praise X, you praise the other one and say you know yeah. what I actually like that mm-hmm. you're thoughtful and you're kind and you're caring Literally, and don't always do it in front of each other like just always yeah. praise that one in front of the other one and never ever praise the other one exactly that would that's like the beginning like... of 
hatred. Yeah, between siblings, which is unfortunate actually. It is so sad because I feel like they could have had they could have had a good relationship. But when people won't stop comparing them and even with the say how they said that um Oli's got the brains and Kendy's got the beauty. Mm. Kendy was intelligent in his own way. He was yeah. an artist, a renowned artist. Mm-hmm. So obviously but obviously you don't see that one as a professional. Yeah. You know what's just popped into my mind? I remember reading online as um, like there was an interview that Beyonce's mom did and she said that um, when they were both well. young she made Beyonce and Solange go to therapy because Beyonce was getting all of this attention and she didn't want she wanted like both of their relationships to be good so she made them because it's that thing of like true. even in this book lack of communication like, if you're not true. talking to each other you make up stories and of then course. you eventually believe of, those stories until the point that you don't even so realise what reality is at anymore all. There's, there's a blurred line between yeah. like reality and like what you made up in your head exactly. and that's so true I always try just in general in life actually yeah especially when you're someone of disability that's over, an overthinker uh-huh. and maybe someone hasn't replied your message or someone hasn't done something you've yeah. with them and you tell yourself a reason why and then you never think it's, you should actually ask them to uh, clarify one of the, my biggest pet peeves in life is assumptions I hate when people make assumptions yeah. but we tend to do that a lot mm. and then you make up this assumption that maybe that's why they didn't do it and then you resent them for that reason that you made up in your head and because you never clarify it in your head it's just yeah. they did this thing for that reason exactly and that's a big problem communication solves a lot of problems like it I'm takes courage to say I'm feeling this oh Brene Brown we're gonna talk about Brene Brown later but one thing that I really love about one of her books Rising Strong I remember she was um, talking about her relationship with her husband and she said she like she said this line of the story I'm making up in my mind is so I think she went swimming with her husband and she felt like he didn't acknowledge like her needs or he was very competitive etc etc I'm not I don't think I'm saying the story accurately but she would have conversations with her husband where she would be like the story I'm making up in my mind is that I love that which is such a good leeway to have conversations with someone I love that by the way not everyone will expect like will respect that but if you are on a on a similar wavelength of course to someone, that allows you to have like an open conversation about open this conversation. is so let's say someone's done xyz i mean i've had some ridiculous stories of someone saying i shall look to me the wrong way i know but if you <laughs> and that's tell, the beginning of a problem if you can tell you them, could have been like i don't like the way you looked at me or, or i feel this like, is what i'm in thinking my in my head, head i feel like you did why you looked at me know. for this reason exactly and then you'd be like oh no i didn't mean it that way because people obviously do some things absent-mindedly like yeah. they're not even thinking about you mm-hmm. but then you just make the world like make it all about you but it's not even about you like come on communication is everything in today's world I'm telling it's you it's even with text messages as well yeah. it's so easy to read into unnecessary things like oh she put too many full stops yeah. or it's cut blocks uh-huh. or, oh my god too many emojis yeah. or no emojis at all yeah. like, I mean, yeah, truly, it's, you know, it's the bedrock of everything and I think it's it was a beautifully explored theme in the novel of how a whole family can fall apart and disintegrate um, simply from lack of communication, from lack of communication. And comparison. yeah That's and it's true. like whose job is it to foster that is it the parents is it something that the children discover later so that leads well into the next topic and the next topic is mothers as individuals it's something I'm very very interested in Mm -hmm. I really like like this topic and it's because we don't see well we as kids don't see our parents as individuals in their own selves as people who have thoughts who have experiences or life lessons or things that they've been through in life that obviously then affects the way that the parent Mm. we don't even see how some parents didn't have parents so they don't know how to parent or they're doing what they know best because there's no manual parenting yeah right and we see that explored in especially with Fuller's relationship yeah. with Taiwo mm. especially with that how something happened to the Taiwo which 
obviously I don't want to spoil, but um, something happens to her, but she blames her mom her entire life. Like, yeah. From age 14 till age 27, which is literally towards That's the end of the That's a long book, time. She, and she didn't intend to tell her mom. Yeah. So she intended to just resent her mom. Mm-hmm. But then how long do you carry such a burden yeah. when you're school? How long can you carry You'd be such burdens? Um, I think that it's very important for us to start to see our parents as individuals. In their like, own right. Literally, like, you can ask them, how are you doing? Because we probably tend to not even ask our parents how That's they're true. doing. Because in your head, yeah, like they have their own friends. I have my own friends. Mm-hmm. Well, friends is never the same as family. It's never ever. And even if, even if you say they have their own friends, they might not even talk to those friends as much as you think you're talking to those mm-hmm. friends. And they probably just want to come home and have a good conversation with you. And it's very very important to like remember that they need emotional support. They need some sort of connection with you. Mm-hmm. And I know that some people will like obviously complain that oh, me, me, me and my mom don't have a good enough conversation or a good enough relationship. Which Ty will obviously say she doesn't like that. Mom prefers Sadie to her, which is her belief. She believes mm-hmm. mom prefers Sadie to her. But I also feel like there's times where she could have taken action. It's that thing we wait for someone we else to someone take else. action. But if she'd pushed her mom away enough for her mom to not even know what to do. Yeah. Because there was a scene where Tao was crying and Tao in her mind was like, her mom could have come to her, can't yeah. remember. But then her mom didn't but then in her mom's mind she was still thinking i don't know what to do mm. but tower didn't give her a mom a chance and that's the thing in life like, i feel like we don't give them enough chances or yeah. we just assume oh, they didn't do this thing so they probably don't even like True. me anyway or they probably don't even want me or whatever like assumptions you know one thing have. that struck me it's this like on the subject of our parents or specifically mothers as individuals Paula's character is quite complex in that she's reflective of a lot of mothers because she didn't know what she was doing and and it's not just that it's also the added pressure for mothers to be perfect Mm -hmm. so that in itself in some ways can cause mental breakdowns because you feel like it's that word failure I don't do this enough enough. yeah like I'm a bad parent Um, also remember every child is different exactly so raising only might have been easy for her yeah but then raising Taiwo and Candy might have been different it's difficult she's never had twins before now she has to deal with two babies at uh-huh. the same time remember that story of when they were infants and she dropped that was emotional and i think that's like that's such a good story i think she, oh. it was a good um it was a good scene that actually showed ty Selassie's skill as a writer because mm. i remember that mm. line mm. of um fala thinking to herself or was it ty was saying she didn't hold me or like she she thought fala thought that yeah that's what was in the girl's mind again from look face. at that exactly but i remember the girl didn't want her the yeah. girl cried until her mo- her dad came uh-huh and she felt like that was the beginning of um, the rifts in their relationship yeah yeah so then imagine having that thought and holding on to it of. forever that would obviously affect the way Fola would continue mm. to see her child because you always see her child as this girl that resents her yeah. no no this is a girl that's always craved her craved her touch and her hug and yeah. her attention I think learning to like forgive ourselves Us, and forgive, forgive other people ourselves is important it's so forgive crucial ourselves and it's hard too. like it's hard to forgive us but Maya just said when you know better you do better you do better you should give yourself you have to forgive yourself mistakes. for the times where you didn't know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how to do better literally because obviously you must have not known unless you intentionally doing it but I feel like I think we need to allow room for making mistakes we need to give ourselves and other people room for making mistakes yeah but since remember that you're imperfect imperfect Mm. is the word correct them tell them you don't like it address it and that's another problem actually when your parents do something you don't like it's it's easy to tell them right there and then mom I don't like this thing that you did which is Mm. how I am with my mom I didn't like it we just hold on to it then yeah. the next thing they, they, which is the same as our relationship with anybody else the next thing they do something else you hold on to it again the next thing they do something else and then one day you just I don't know you have this random outburst yeah. and you shout at them and, and then you like, hate you all that stuff yeah. and they're thinking where is this coming from but then mm-hmm. again when you shout at someone their immediate reaction is defensiveness so they yeah. start to defend themselves and mm-hmm. then they shout at mm-hmm. you how dare you yeah. and they just 
it's just really ugly to see. So I feel like it's important to address things. Maybe not in the moment, but I know there's some people that say that they didn't like um, addressing things immediately. They like to give it a day or um, two. But you know, I, I was watching this video with this lady and her husband and she was like, um, reflecting in the relationship what's really helped them is before she used to be someone who didn't like talking about stuff in the moment mm-hmm. but what's helped her relationship a lot is yeah. talking about it in the moment because if you're leaving it to tomorrow you're bringing it back up I'm thinking I thought you left this it's different if you say I don't want to address this now uh-huh. like, but if yeah. you just leave it and they come and want to address it tomorrow it's like I left this behind yeah. then now I have to be defensive uh-huh. thinking, why is she bringing it back up it's again true. so I think even if you're not someone who likes it try to cultivate the habit of like addressing things in the moment Situation even if you moment. can't tell them I actually know someone who said when he's upset with his wife even if he can't talk to her to her face he sends her this really long email yeah addressing it in the moment anyway. yeah that's true that's true like there's different ways of circumventing actually having a confrontation you can write a letter I love yeah. that yeah. Letters, isn't it? Same, <laughs> honestly you can write a letter because I like I feel like I can, when I'm upset I can articulate my thoughts better when I'm writing so yeah it gives me room for structure mm. it allows me to not be mean or not say what I'm thinking because I'm upset exactly to be considered because I can sit down and read what I've written and mm-hmm. edit and be like, oh, this is not nice enough. Yeah. Change it, change it, change it. And I'm upset, yes, but being nice doesn't take away from me being upset. Because you're still getting your point across, but you're just Literally. thinking more about what's the best means for someone to because be receptive to the message precious. that I'm trying to get across. Exactly. You want them to be receptive. That's the key. Exactly. But you exactly. don't want, if you're attacking them, they're not going to listen to you. Literally, no one And else. I think that's very important yeah. as well. So that's something I've learned from Most this. Definitely book oh, this book teaches you so much now we're going to talk about the impact of a father like leaving or being absent so to speak on the children because it's that's the thing it's such a messed up complicated story because you have this mother who's <laughs> constantly up. questioning herself and, and her, her ability yeah like to be a mother and then in another like on another hand you have a father who Left. due to circumstances <laughs> decides to leave his children, and that has like significant impact on his kids. Specifically, Taiwo, who's your favorite Taiwo. character. Specifically, so, Taiwo. Do you want to talk even, about that? Taiwo, as always, I don't know. She's. I feel like she's like Kimberly in Puppet because she sees okay. her dad as like this man. You remember mm. how that scene where she saw his feet and she tried to cover it for him? Yeah, that because was she very felt embarrassed emotional. for him. And she, oh, it was days. a very touching moment of like a child scene their parent in a vulnerable, vulnerable state because mm-hmm. again it's very hard there was a line in, in that African, in African context <laughs> like for a parent to show vulnerability is a very difficult circumstance and so like just exploring the emotional reaction to seeing oh, her father speak because in in the book Quake was described as a man who's very particular about taking care of his feet and then you have the scene always wearing slippers where, always yeah he's always house. wearing slippers which is like a motif throughout the book um, you have the scene where the daughter comes in, like the father's like slumped and sleeping, and she sees her father's feet, and her response to that of a child seeing the father's yeah, feet. Yeah, but then remember, there's state. a part of I don't know why I can't find it because in that part, there's somewhere where she goes, um, and I'm sure I highlighted it as well, where she goes, seeing him means he was vulnerable. Oh, yeah, this is it. So she goes, the fact of her father here slumped in the moonlight it meant something was possible that she hadn't perceived, that he was vulnerable. Mm. And that if he was, the solid wooden father than that she was, they all were, and worse, might not know that mm. they were all vulnerable. Yeah. So they've always, all, always believed that... Ugh, he so was sad. the protective shield, in a way. He and was. And so his absence or him leaving broke that shell. Like, she also said, she, like, she also thought this, she said, um, 
he had eaten the soles of his feet her whole life for 12 years, so she's mm. never seen it before. So he could hide in bracket, anyone could hide anything else. And finally, that he had tried and that he had a thing to even hide meant her father felt ashamed, which was unbearable somehow because she's always seen her dad as a yeah. perfect father. Yeah. And I feel like when you read the book, you see the dynamics of the relationship that she has with her dad. Like, I feel like she loves, she definitely loves her dad or prefers her father to her mom because Mm -hmm. when her dad left and something happened to them, she said to her mom, he would never have done this to us if he would never have allowed you to do this to Mm -hmm. us if he was here. Protective figure. So even if he wasn't the most vulnerable father, he was still a protective, Mm -hmm. a protective figure. Or he was still there and, because, and this, I think it's that thing of, you know when one parent works? Yeah. You only see them when they're at home. That's true. Whereas the mom is always there so you'd get to see all the other bits of her. But because the dad you only see the perfect part. It's trying mm. to make for the part, the fact that he's not there all the time. And that creates an so image nice. that's Obviously, unfair that for the mother. That, it does. Yeah. Definitely does create because. an image. Because they only, always only, only see the perfect father. They yeah. never ever see the father that, that has flaws, right? True. Which is what obviously the, the souls of his feet is a revelation for Tyro. Um, but Tyro also gets into something. It's not a spoiler, spoiler, because you've, it's a big, you find out it's a big part of the book. But she gets into a relationship with someone who's 52 years old the dean but mm-hmm. it's not because she loves him because she makes that clear it's mm-hmm. not because she loves him it's because of the she's she's found something she's been looking for in her father searching. And him. searching no no <laughs> searching for that thing and she didn't it's not i don't know she i don't think she got like comfort from the relationship i don't know what did she i Solace. feel like yeah, i think that's what it is it's like finally mm. she's found because like, she knew that the man had a wife yeah she wasn't upset with him she didn't uh-huh. intend to marry him no she just she was just glad that she's found this thing that she's been looking for i think it's an interesting conversation of her like in a way not being able to escape the trauma to an extent of her father leaving but then there's also a question of morality so when a child is dealing with unhealed trauma and that leading to questionable so so moral decisions of having well, an affair with a married thing, man the funny thing is you know when dad left growing up her and her brother would retell their family stories and yeah. put their dad in the picture mm-hmm. because it felt like when they erased their dad from the story it's yeah. like it never existed mm-hmm. but it's funny how in her mind she thinks that it doesn't exist or yeah. she's taking him away but then that's in itself is still influencing everything it manifests in her life it's inescapable i think that's honestly so true for a lot of and things that you don't thing deal with she's going to therapy yeah but then tyra's not ready to be open yes she's going to therapy the therapist knows every single thing that's mm. gone on in her life because the therapist knew about those situations yeah. she still couldn't get to the root or the bottom of why she is doing the thing that she does True. and the thing though that you realise at the end of the book is that even though you thought it was the absence of the father was it really the absence of the father? what would you say it was? her mum interesting I know that the absence of a father played a big role yeah. but there's a part where she's like the therapist where she was replaying where the therapist asked her was he your uncle was mm-hmm. he your mum was he your dad or were you upset with your mum your brother whatever and she's or your dad or your dad leaving and towards the end I think she must have been thinking that they think it's that but it's not what it is kind of thing it's her mom because yeah. her mom's always been there always never yeah. left but they didn't have a relationship that's true at all like what yeah. was the last time she gave her a hug physical but relationship that's on it like that's one of um the recurring themes in that book that idea of unhealed trauma or like experiences creating physical barriers because mm. even with Olu and his wife like he's oh, married to a woman that's a funny one but that, he's created a physical barrier with 
with his wife and Tywo does the same. Kane Day is an artist that's like elusive to the whole world. So I love that idea of like... The barriers. Yeah, the barriers that you put up because of the experiences literally, in your life and literally. having to go through that process of breaking it you down. You know what's funny? We haven't actually talked that much about Sadie. Maybe because she's not my most favorite Yeah, character. I mean, it was just... I and the thing with Sadie is like, because she was four years old when her dad left, yeah. she was struggling to feel anything mm-hmm. when he left like yeah. some sort of so she was trying so hard to feel something and all she could feel was the absence absence of her mum yeah. she used to be very close uh-huh. to her mum Sadie is a very very interesting character very. in herself she's so she's suffering from bulimia which you find out like earlier in the book as well and it's also the thing of comparison which we mentioned before touched yeah. on before where if you read the book the way Ty Slater describes Taiwan Kane then God have mercy I hope they never make this into a movie because you have to find the perfect, perfect fit let's not ruin it please. perfect it's because. like Twilight when I was young so when I was in secondary school I think in Nigeria I must have been 14 years old or 13 or something my friend must have given me Twilight yeah. to me and all four books right I read mm. it in four days I was so excited wow, and then I remember a few weeks later one of my friends was like oh I have to movie Twilight uh-huh. and you know that lady what's her name oh, I read that book again I forgot her name Same. but anyways she writes in a way that you can picture what you want yeah she's not, she's not the best writer in my opinion but she's a very good storyteller hey. So you go into the movie <laughs> and someone plays, my friend plays the movie and I watch scene one I'm thinking, this is Bella? Is, is it this was Bella? stoic. And then I see um, Edward. I'm like, is Edward? That Bella was on every TV. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Two scenes later, I said to Jeff, I'm not watching it again. <laughs> I'm not joking. In my life, I've never ever seen any of the movies. Any. You haven't? At wow. all. I didn't intend to say that to myself. That's, That's punishment. Good, That's punishment. <laughs> I think I watched two of them. No, what? But it was... And this is me. I was only 14 years I'm old. I didn't even know that much about, like, good literature. I just watched... It was ...episode that we seen one, seen two, and I was like, no, that's not me. I'm not putting myself through that. No, actually, no. I feel like with some books, I'd rather people just not touch. Uh, just don't make a movie. Don't ruin it. Don't try it. You know because what? One that did it well was The Help. They did it so well. I haven't watched that. You haven't watched The Help? No, I haven't read the book either. <gasps> so... <laughs> Mom and the world with friends. Because <laughs> you love me. That's why. Oh my god. No, you're I'm leaving my in. house with the I, help. I, you're leaving this house with the help. You're not leaving without so the help. That should be an interesting But you have to read the book first and then watch the movie. Okay. Because they don't. They, it wasn't they, like widely acclaimed film. Because they did it well. I yeah. mean, the book is obviously always going to be better than uh-huh. the movie, but yeah. they did it well. Okay. Let's check it out. So now we're winding the show, winding down the show by talking about our favorite characters. I think for me, again, I gotta go back to Kende. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Again, I'm not joking. Taiwan yeah. and Kende are both my favorite characters. Yeah. Just I like Tao a bit more because I feel like I can relate to her in so many ways mm. and it's just I just feel like her pain maybe it's because we we feel her pain so much yeah. through the book for both of the characters for both for Tao and Kenneth, you feel their pain throughout but yeah. then the thing is with Tywood there's an elaborate expansion towards the end and you're like oh my god I feel so sorry for yeah, you yeah. whereas with Kenneth, of course Kenneth it's goes a through a lot and we know I feel like with, with Tywood there's a bit a lot more detail into mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. I think that perhaps that's what it is Yeah. but Tywood's my baby remains my baby of course um, and I love Kenny. Kenny's like my favorite. And uh-huh. the thing is, I have a thing for twins anyway. So it's yes, like, yeah. I'm telling you, it must also be a Nigerian thing, actually. I love twins. So <laughs> we love twins. Know. I love twins so, so true. much. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. What's the latest book that you're reading? Um, I am currently reading, I don't even know, what am I reading? A book by Andrea Levy, anyway. So I'll, if I remember, I'll tell you, but I don't remember what it is. What are you currently reading? I'm sort of reading more politically inclined books. That is not a phrase. I'm not political 
works. (laughs) So there's a book that I'm, I think it's at Design Thinking or Designing a New World. I can't actually remember the title now. But yeah. Brave um, New World. No, it's not Brave because it's not fiction. It's non-fiction. Interesting. So that's what I'm reading at the moment. Actually, you know what? I just bought, um, what's that book? So of a Butterfly. Ooh, Muhammad Ali, we need to talk about that. Soon. I think that might be my next That's one of my favourite books. I love that book. Oof, oof. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Bookversation, inspired by Ty Selassie's Ghana Must Go. We hope you've gained benefit from the discussion. You can find the book review on myrehila.com. Email us your thoughts at bookversationspod at gmail.com and let us know what books you want us to check out. Till next time. Peace out, guys. Remember to read. You forgot it.